This audio is brought to you by Muslim Central. Please consider donating to help cover our running costs and future projects by visiting www.muslimcentral.com forward slash donate. So, while these three individuals are walking, they run into a storm. فَمَالُوا إِلَىٰ غَارٍ فِي الْجَبَلِ So they sought refuge, they just naturally gravitated towards a cave that was in a mountain. And so even the language that the Prophet ﷺ is using is that this wasn't their original intent. They didn't intend to end up in this cave, but they just naturally ended up there. And it's just something that they saw and it felt very natural for them to go and seek refuge in, in that rain. And one of the first things we learn here, we understand from the text of the hadith itself, is that sometimes, you know, what can seem kind of like a, just, just an obvious choice, an obvious course of action, a blessing in a tough moment, can turn out to be a really profound learning experience. And then the Prophet of Allah goes on to say, that a huge boulder from a mountain basically came and it obstructed the opening of that cave. فَأَطْبَقَتَ عَلَيْهِمْ And that basically locked them in. فَقَالَ بَعْضُهُمْ لِبَعْضٍ So they started to say to one another, أُنْدُرُوا أَعْمَالًا عَمَلْتُمُوهَا لِلَّهِ صَالِحَةً So go and look for some actions. Think about something that you've done for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that was done out of piety, or was done out of righteousness solely for the sake of Allah. فَدْعُوا اللَّهَ بِهَا لَعَلَّهُ يَفْرَجُهَا or يُفْرِجُهَا So then go and make dua and present it before Allah so that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will open this, uh, the cave for us and He'll let us out. فَقَالَ أَحَدُهُمْ اللَّهُمَّ إِنَّهُ كَانَ لِي وَالِدَانِ شَيْخَانِ كَبِيرَانِ so the first one says that, Oh Allah, I have two very old elderly parents. Very, very old. And what's, what, what, basically he's talking about parents that are extremely old. They're very senior. They're senile. Shaykhani kabirani. Very, extremely, two very old parents. Wali sabiya sigar. And I also have lots of small children. Kuntu ara alayhim. فَإِذَا رَحَتْتُ عَلَيْهِمْ فَحَلِبْتُ So he said that when the day would finally end, I would go and I would milk my animals. فَجِئْتُ بِالْحِلَابِ And I would come and I would bring the milk. فَقُمْتُ عِنْدَ رُؤُوسِهِمَا And I would basically come and I would stand. So I, I would go and I would milk the animals and bring it to them. And it was, it was kind of like in the evening at night before they went to bed, before they went to sleep, I would have milk for my parents, I would have some milk to drink for my children. فَقُمْتُ عِنْدَ رُؤُوسِهِمَا So I stood by their, by their heads as they were laying down my parents. أَكْرَهُ أَنْ أُقِذَهُمَا مِنْ نَوْمِهِمَا But I didn't feel like waking them up from their sleep. So I was running a little late, they had already fallen asleep. So I came and I stood by their by their head, by the by the bedside, and I didn't want to wake them up, I didn't want to disturb them. But at the same time, excuse me, he says, Badatu biwalidi asqihima qabla waladi. And I would always give the milk first to my parents before I would give it to my children. Wa'ana وَإِنَّهُ نَأَبِي الشَّجَرِ 
And so then he talks about how I got kind of held up a little bit. فَمَا أَتَيْتُ حَتَّى أَمْسَيْتُ So by the time I reached them, it was late at night. فَوَجَدْتُهُ مَا قَدْ And I found both of them sleeping. So then he says, I brought the milk and I stood by their bedside and I didn't feel like waking them up from their sleep because they were elderly, they were old. وَأَكْرَهُ أَنْ أَبْدَى بِالصَّبِيَّةِ قَبْلَهُمَا And I didn't feel like starting with my children before them. Because this was something that I maintained, a gesture of respect that I made to my parents, I would always give the milk to them first. And my children were, you know, they, they were basically coming and kind of tugging and pulling at my feet. So as an expression, what it means is that my kids were starting to come around and they were complaining and they were hungry and they were looking for the milk. And I basically continued to stand there and this, this was my state and my condition and my kids continued to be restless and anxious waiting and asking for milk until the time of the morning finally came. فَإِن كُنْتُ تَعْلَمْ أَنِّي فَعَلْتُ فَإِن كُنْتَ تَعْلَمْ أَنِّي فَعَلْتُ ذَلِكَ إِبْتِغَاءَ وَجْهِكَ فَفْرُجْ لَنَا فُرْجَةً نَرَى مِنْهَا السَّمَاءَ So, oh Allah, you know that if I did this solely for your sake, and you accept this from me, and I did this only to please you, oh Allah, then give us an opening so that we can see the sky just a little bit. فَفَرَّجَ اللَّهُ لَهُمْ فُرْجَةً حَتَّى يَرَوْنَ مِنْهَا السَّمَاءَ So the boulder, it moved just a little bit until they could start to see the sky out of the opening a little bit. This is the first part of the text of this narration. So, the premise of the narration of the hadith, and it's actually a very fundamental, it's a very profound text, which talks about that when we talk about seeking a relationship with Allah, when we talk about being in the good graces of Allah, when we talk about having something that we can present before Allah, something that we can put between us and Allah, to divert away from us the punishment, the anger, the wrath, the displeasure of Allah, and seek out the blessing of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then the first, the foremost, and the most profound thing that we can do, that we can present in that regard, is our good deeds. Our good deeds are our biggest means of salvation with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They're the greatest means of us attracting the blessing of Allah. So this narration is also actually mentioned in the context of when we talk about intercession. When we talk about intercession, when we, talking, when we talk about seeking refuge, when we talk about seeking salvation by virtue of something or someone. But there's no doubt about, there's no difference of opinion, there's no ikhtilaf, there's no difference amongst the scholars by virtue of this narration and this text right here, that the most effective means of seeking the blessing and the mercy of Allah and the most effective way of saving ourselves from the punishment or the anger and the wrath of Allah is by means of our good deeds. And so this narration, what it does is, not only does it make that very clear, very explicitly it states that, that our good deeds are the most important thing. And our good deeds are the most effective means of us avoiding the punishment of Allah and attracting the mercy and the blessing of Allah. But it goes on to detail three deeds that will be more, key, that will be more effective and that are absolutely key and necessary in terms of seeking the mercy and the blessing of Allah. Three deeds above all other deeds that we might do. And it's actually going to be very eye-opening. 
It's actually very, very eye-opening. Because when you think about deeds, when you think about the three best deeds that anyone could do, that someone could do, in terms of attracting the mercy and the blessing of Allah, and seeking salvation with Allah, and seeking the help of Allah, right off the top of your head, if you had to name three deeds, the, 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 the types of deeds that usually come to mind are, Salah, Dua, Quran, Fasting, Zakat, Sayyam, Sadaq, those are Hajj, Umrah, those are the types of deeds that naturally come to mind. And this narration's purpose is not to diminish the importance of those deeds. That's a big misunderstanding. We kind of turn it into a competition. Well, if those, these deeds are going to be important, then those deeds are no, obviously no longer important. No, 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 that's not the purpose here. But the purpose is to emphasize and to highlight certain deeds that we take for granted. You see, Allah and His Messenger ﷺ, when they highlight certain deeds, they're not doing it necessarily to say that it's more better or it's superior or it's more important than other deeds. But the purpose of it many times is because people have a lack of appreciation for those deeds. People have a lack of appreciation for those deeds. People take certain things for granted. So Linus Messenger wasallam, they highlight certain deeds to remind us that, listen, here's something that you obviously take for granted. And when we talk about these deeds, we'll see how it's something that we do, without a shred of a doubt, we do take for granted. But at that point in time, it's being emphasized that don't take this for granted. It might seem like something mundane, it might seem like something minute, it might seem like something not that important in the grand scheme of things. But it's actually very, very important. And it's a very necessary part of our spiritual journey and spiritual experience and relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So the first deed they talk about here is, to simplify it, is to be good to your parents. To be good to your parents. That's the first deed mentioned here by the Prophet And I'm going to be talking about two things here. While this narration is more so talking about one of these things, but I feel that as a prerequisite, we're going to talk about a second topic. Realize and understand the first and foremost issue is just the rights of the parents. The basic, necessary, God-given, God-obligated, ordained rights of the parents. That's not what this narration is talking about. This narration is talking about, وَبِالْوَالِدَيْنِ إِحْسَانَ What the Qur'an says. To excel, to practice excellence with one's parents. Because what the man basically presented as a deed before Allah, you know, serving food and milk to them, serving the milk to them before he served it to anyone else, that's not like an obligation. And then staying up all night long, just standing there and waiting and kind of being torn between not wanting to serve anyone else before he serves them, but at the same time not wanting to disturb or wake them up, and standing by their headside, by their bedside, all night long just holding a bowl of milk, that's not an obligation, that's not a fard by any means, that's not like a necessary right, right? That later tonight, like, you're just standing by the side of your parents' bed holding milk, they wake up and they're like, oh God, what are you doing here? Right? Like, don't be a creeper, right? Like, don't, don't, don't. Like, I'm doing what the hadith said, right? So, it's not like some necessary right of the parents that must be fulfilled or else you'll be questioned on the day of judgment. 
But it's ihsan, it's somebody going another step further and just trying to do right by their parents, to trying to do the best that they can for their parents. By, 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 this is their expression of love and devotion and respect and dedication to their parents. So that's what the narration talks about. But as you know, a precursor or as a prerequisite, we will talk about the basic absolute rights of the parents. But realize and understand this narration, this hadith highlights the fact that you know what? If you're a human being, if you're a human being, if you're a normal, sound, you know, basic, common sense having human being, then you will fulfill the basic rights of your parents. Because that's something that's just an undeniable reality and truth. I mean, they're your parents, and we'll talk a little bit more about this. But this narration is saying that one of the best deeds a person can do, to better their relationship with Allah, to seek the blessings of Allah, to seek the mercy and the compassion of Allah, and the favor of Allah in their lives, is to go above and beyond the rights of the parents. To go way beyond what is the, 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 the call, what is the necessary requirement in terms of the rights of the parents and respecting the parents. But to go beyond that, to do something extra, even though it wasn't required. Why? Because they are your parents. So now to talk about the rights of the parents, I'd like to kind of start at the very basic, at the very basic level. The Qur'an, when speaking about parents, before we even talk about how the Qur'an talks about the parents and what it tells us about the rights and being good to the parents, what does the, we'll start even basic, what language does the Qur'an use when talking about the parents? There are two words that are used when talking about the parents in the Qur'an. The first word the Qur'an uses is walidain, and the second word the Qur'an uses is abawain. Abawain and walidain, two words the Qur'an uses when talking about the parents. And even the origin of these words is actually very interesting teaches you a little something about the Arabic language. The word Abawain comes from the word Ab, which means father. Alright, and the way this basically works is that there's a rhetorical function in the Arabic language called Uslubu Taghlib. Uslubu Taghlib basically means that sometimes you have two separate things, two separate entities that are mentioned together, that are spoken about together very frequently, very commonly. They're very commonly mentioned together. And what you do in that case is instead of saying each one, both of them, over and over again, having to say each one over and over again repeatedly, you take one of those entities and you put it into its dual form. Like in the Arabic language, everyone probably is aware that, you know, in English we have a singular and plural. In the Arabic language you have a singular, then you have a dual, two of something, and then you have a plural. Kitab, book, kitabani or kitabaini, which is two books. And then you have kutub, then you have multiple books. So this is, that's the way the Arabic language works. One, two, and then plural. Three or more. So it's a little different than English. So what you do in the Arabic language is when you talk about two things together very frequently, you take one of them, you put it into its dual form. Now it's representative of both those entities at the same time. So let me give you a couple of examples of this. Shams and qamar. Shams means sun, qamar means moon. Shams means sun, qamar means moon. Now in classical Arabic, especially in poetry and whatnot, they're talking about the sun and the moon, the sun and the moon, the sun and the moon, very frequently, very common. It's, it's for both of them to be mentioned together. It's very, very common. 
So instead of having to say ash-shamsu wal-qamar over and over again repeatedly together, what could be done in the Arabic language and is practiced by the poets and different um, you know, people of eloquence in the Arabic language, is you take one of them, you put it into its dual form and now it represents both of them. So when you say qamaran or qamarain, it looks like it says two moons, but it actually represents the sun and the moon. That's the way the Arabic language works. Another very common example of this is Abu Bakr wa Umar. Abu Bakr wa Umar, mentioned together very frequently. So instead of having to say Abu Bakr wa Umar every single time, you say Umaran. Umaran. And so it looks like it says two Umars, but in reality now it's representative of Abu Bakr and Umar. Hassanain. Hassanain. Looks like it says two Hassans, but it actually represents Hassan and Hussein, the two brothers, are called Hassanain together. So similarly, the word Abawain, the word for parents, comes from the word Ab. The word Ab means father. The word Ab means father. So you take that word and you put it into its dual form, Abawan or Abawain. And now even though it looks like it says two fathers, but that's not right. So what it actually means is, it means father and mother. Ab wa um. Um is mother, ab is father. Abawain, father and mother, parents. The other word for parents, so this word abawain draws on the word father. The word walidain, walidain comes from the root word walada. Walada literally means to give birth, to physically give birth. And obviously, alright, who's the one that gives birth? The mother or the father? The mother does. So she's called walida. Walidatun, al-walida, the mother, the one who physically gives birth. The father is called walid by extension. So you say walidain, and now it means parents. But this time it comes from the word mother. So the word abawain means parents, it comes from the word father. The word walidain means mother, and it comes from the word, the word walidain means parents, but it comes from the word mother. So these are the two words for parents in the Quran. Abawain, Parents coming from the word father, walidain parents coming from the word mother. But now it's very interesting and profound in the usage of the Qur'an, and this will kind of lead us into talking about the different rights of the parents, and our, and our obligations towards our parents. What's very interesting is that the Qur'an, whenever it talks about respecting the parents, whenever it talks about making dua for the parents, whenever it talks about being good towards your parents, it uses the word walidain. It uses the word walidain, which means parents, but it's drawing, it comes from the word which is primarily used for the mother. And the reason for that, the scholars, the mufassirun, they explain, the reason for that is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is reminding us that yes, respect your parents, be good to your parents, make dua for your parents, but a little bit extra for your, for your mother. A little bit extra for your mother. Why that is, we'll talk about in just a minute. But just kind of make a mental note of that. So now let's talk about the basic rights of the parents. One thing that you, uh, that will, again, starting off at the very basic level, the Qur'an, the book of Allah. Whenever it talks about the rights of the parents, the Qur'an presents the rights of the parents in two ways. First and foremost, the very 
you know, central, fundamental ayah in this entire discourse on the rights of the parents is from surah number 17. وَقَضَى رَبُّكَ أَلَّا تَعْبُدُوا إِلَّا إِيَّاهُ وَبِالْوَالِدَيْنِ إِحْسَانًا That your Lord has decreed that you worship no one other than Him. And that you be excellent towards your parents. So the excellence towards the parents is being mentioned right there with the right, the sole right, the obligation to worship one Allah. And no one else other than Allah. Tawheed and then the rights of the parents. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala pairs these two things together. To remind us of the importance of the rights of the parents. Another place in the Quran, Allah says, وَإِذَا خَدْنَا مِيثَاقَ بَنِي إِسْرَائِيلَ لَا تَعْبُدُونَ إِلَّا اللَّهِ وَبِالْوَالِدَيْنِ إِحْسَانًا That Allah says, we took a covenant from the children of Israel. We took a covenant from Banu Israel. That, they, that you worship no one other than Allah and that you be good towards your parents. By virtue of this, what we understand is, there are certain teachings that are specific to the Ummah of the Prophet like when the Qur'an talks about the specific issues of wudu and salah and siyam, that's very specific to this ummah. But there are certain things Allah mentions in the Qur'an that are universal values. Meaning every prophet, every messenger taught and preached these things. This was a fundamental part of the teachings of every prophet. Tawheed is obviously the biggest amongst them. But the next thing Allah mentions after Tawheed that was a universal teaching of all the prophets was being good towards your parents. I was a fundamental part of the teaching of every single prophet, every single messenger. And so this is a universal value, and this is a value, this is a teaching that has been coupled with, that has been coupled with worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and recognizing the oneness of Allah. Such a fundamental, profound value. And then we go back to the surah number 17. Now what does Allah say is, should be our interaction with our parents? These, this is a very famous verse, very famous ayah. Most people are familiar with this. Let's read through it and basically understand what it's saying. وَقَضَى رَبُّكَ أَلَّا تَعْبُدُوا إِلَّا إِيَّاهُ وَبِالْوَالِدَيْنِ Allah says, إِمَّا يَبْلُغَنَّ عِنْدَكَ الْكِبَرَ أَحَدُهُمَا أَوْ كِلَاهُمَا That if one of, one of them or both of them reaches very old age with you, Meaning you're still there, you're with them, and they've reached very, very old age. One of them or both of them. Then don't utter the sound, don't say the word uf to them. Don't utter that sound of displeasure towards them. Don't say anything bad or abrupt or offensive towards them. And a lot of the scholars, it's called ayatul ta'fif. The scholars comment about this expression of uf, where it's literally a sound. It's a sound, it's not like even a proper word, it's a sound. That don't utter a sound of displeasure, a sound of irritation, a sound of disrespect towards them. فَلَا تَقُلْ لَهُمَا وَلَا تَنْهَرْهُمَا And don't be abrupt, don't be rude with them. وَقُلْ لَهُمَا قَوْلًا كَرِيمًا And say something very nice and respectful and noble to them. That first of all, don't disrespect them. If you notice here, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is giving us the bare minimum. Don't cross this line. He told us be excellent towards your parents, but he's showing us where the line is. Don't cross this line. Don't say oof to them, don't be abrupt to them, don't be rude with them. And if there's nothing else that you can do for them, there's nothing you have to offer to them, there's absolutely nothing you have to provide to them, to take care of them, to be good to them, then at the very least, just try to say something nice to them. Just try to say something nice to them. وَاغْفِرْ لَهُمَا جَنَاحَ الرَّحْمَةِ And lower the wings of mercy for them. 
Be merciful, be compassionate, be affectionate towards them. And then say, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala teaches us a dua to make for our parents. That my Lord have mercy upon them, like they raised me when I was small. Like they raised me when I was small. Think back to everything my parents did for me, everything they did for us. And then Allah have mercy on them the way they took care of me when I was small. And that's the basic ayah. You know, this, this aspect of making dua for the parents is very, very important. Ibrahim alayhi salam, when he makes dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, at the building of the Kaaba and at the founding of the city of Mecca, and setting down the foundation of the blessed house of Allah. When Ibrahim alayhi salam is finally presented with the opportunity to make dua, he says, what does he say? رَبَّ جَعَلِي مُقِيمَ الصَّلَاةِ وَمِن ذُرِّيَّتِي رَبَّنَا وَتَقَبَلْ دُعَى رَبَّنَا فِلِّي وَلِوَالِدَيَّا Our Lord, our, our Master, forgive us and our parents. Forgive me and my parents. He remembers to make dua for his parents. That's the very first thing we realize here, we understand here is to make dua. And we're gonna go on to talk about developing love and having a good relationship. And it all starts with making dua. When you make dua for someone, it literally builds love in their heart for you and in your heart for them. So making dua is a very, very important issue when, when you talk about respecting of the parents. Now to go back to that surah number 17 that we were talking about, that famous ayah about not even saying oof to your parents. You know. We often, we've heard that before, we've read the translation before. What's very interesting, what's very profound when you think about it is, notice, pay attention to the language of the ayah. The ayah said, إِمَّا يَبْلُغَنَّ عِنْدَكَ الْكِبَرَ إِمَّا يَبْلُغَنَّ عِنْدَكَ الْكِبَرَ أَحَدُهُمَا أُكِلَاهُمَا When they become very, very old. It's talking about old, senior, senile parents. It's not talking about, you know, functioning, intelligent, working, lucid parents. I mean, just taking a basic scan of the room, most of, all, most of y'all are youngins. So most of your parents are perfectly normal, functioning, intelligent, sound-minded, you know, individuals. It's not talking about that. It's talking about when your parents are very old and senile. Senility. When the body starts to give out. And they can't carry themselves, they can't lift themselves, they can't walk on their own, they can't use the restroom on their own. I mean, this is stuff y'all haven't even thought about, most of y'all. They can't even go to the restroom on their own. I was talking to a friend of mine recently, and his mother suffered a very severe stroke. And so he went to go take care of his mother and spend some time with her. And he called me from there. I would just, uh, we were talking, I was asking how his mom is doing and things like that. And he said, this morning, he's like, bro, this morning, I sat and I fed my mother breakfast with a spoon, but she couldn't even eat solid food. So I was basically feeding her like, like blended food. And immediately what that reminds you of, it's like baby food. Like baby food. He said, I sat there and I spoon-fed my mother baby food. And he goes, it puts everything into perspective. You really understand and you realize. So it's talking about old senile parents where the body's given out. Where the mind starts to slip. My grandmother, before she passed away, had very severe Alzheimer's. 
And I saw the toll that that took on her and that the toll that 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 took on her kids, on my mom and her siblings. That there were days she didn't even know who they were. She didn't recognize them. She'd wake up in the morning terrified. She didn't know where she was. She didn't recognize the people or the place where she was. When the mind starts to give out, where emotionally they regress. The Quran says, "Yuradu ila ardalil umr," that they get returned back to the worst of ages, the worst age possible. They literally become like children, except it's a lot more difficult now because they're not children. But they emotionally are no different than children. Tantrums and upset and angry and needy and demanding. The mind's given out. The emotion, emotionally they're children. Physically they're falling apart. That this is the situation that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is talking. Now put those pieces together and understand Allah is saying, even in this situation, don't you dare ever lose your cool with your parents. Don't you dare ever be respectful with your parents. You're not allowed to. And what really puts things into perspective a lot of times, you know, it's a, it's a saying of the, of the scholars and the wise people. Some, a, some have attributed it as a hadith, but it, there's not a lot of um, authentic, there, there's not enough authentic, uh, authentication to, to, to say that this is a hadith. But nevertheless, it is a saying of the scholars and a wisdom shared, to, shared with us by the scholars that they say, Burru aba'akum yaburrukum abna'ukum. Be good to your parents because your kids will be good to you. What goes around comes around. And that's the situation with the parents. There's these little stories that are told. Little bits and pieces of wisdom. Where there was one time, you know, there's this young, sound, you know, young, you know, um, uh, intelligent, older guy. An adult basically. And he's got a very old senior elderly father. So the father asks him, he goes, son, what time is it? So the son goes, dad, it's nine o'clock. A little while later, literally 30 seconds, 60 seconds later, son, what time is it? It's 9.01. 30 seconds, 60 seconds later, son, what time is it? Like, seriously, bro? Like, are you kidding me? What, do you, what time do you think it is? It's 9.02. Like, how many times are you going to ask me the same question? I'm busy over here. I'm trying to take care of something. I'm tweeting. You messed up my hashtag. Right? So it's like abrupt. Like, seriously, guy, come on. And the father tells the son, he goes, I knew exactly what time it was. I was just seeing how long it would take, how many times I could ask you before you lost your cool. Before you just went off on me. He goes, because I remember the time when you were a little kid. And you asked me the same question 60 times in 60 minutes. Every minute, every 60 seconds. Daddy, what time is it? Daddy, what time is it? Abu, what time is it? And every single time, I didn't just tell you, I did the whole song and dance. 9.04, woo! I have little kids. Four and two. It's like, you basically have to act like Elmo all the time. Right? So, that's, that's what you do for your kids. I did that for you. And I asked you three times and you completely lost it. 
I was just, I was just checking. All right, go back to hashtagging. There's another little story similarly that, that what goes around comes around. Well, there's an elderly father who's annoying. Just an annoying old man. Just a nuisance. Too much trouble, too much, too much work, too much trouble. So the son finally says, that's it old man, I'm done with you. This is it. I can't deal with you no more. So he picks up the dad, can't even walk, old man. Picks up the dad, throws him over his shoulder, says, I'm going to go, I'm going to leave you somewhere, and I'm done with you. So he starts walking to just drop his dad off just to leave him somewhere. And he walks and walks and walks, and finally the father goes, all right, this is perfect, right here. And he goes, what, something special? You're like, why, why right here? And he goes, because this is where I left my dad. When my dad got old and my dad got annoying, this is exactly where I left him. So you can drop me off right here. I had this coming. I saw this coming for years. So the Quran, when it talks about the rights of the parents, it talks about in a very specific concept to deliver that effect. It's talking about old, senior, senile, decrepit parents. Very difficult to deal with. And even then it's saying, watch yourself. Watch yourself. And that's the context in which it talks about the rights of the parents. As a universal value, couples it with the worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about being grateful to the parents along with being grateful to Him. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala emphasizes being grateful to Allah, be grateful to me and to you, towards your parents. And He joins these two things together to deliver exactly that same effect for us to realize the importance and the magnitude of the rights of the parents. Now, what are some of these more specific you know, rights of the parents? What do we need to understand in order to fulfill the rights of the parents and to go beyond that and to start to do good towards our parents? There's basically four areas of concern. There's four things we have to be careful about as children. There are four things we got to look out for. Number one is speech. How do we talk to them? Number two is the heart. What do we, how do we even feel about them? Number three is with the body. Physically, how do we interact with them? What do we do for them? And number four is our wealth, our material possessions. How do we manage our relationship with our parents along with the material possessions that we have, the wealth, the money that we have? When talking about speech, of course Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us قَوْلًا kariman, A very noble, dignified word for your parents. وَقُلْ لَهُمَا قَوْلًا كَرِيمًا Offer a very noble, dignified word for your parents. To put that into context, what that means. In Surah Taha, in Surah number 20, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala commands Musa and Harun salam to go and talk to Fir'aun, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells them to speak to Fir'aun how? قَوْلًا لَيِّنًا قَوْلًا لَيِّنًا فَقُولَا لَهُ قَوْلًا لَيِّنًا He says speak to them, speak to Fir'aun very softly, very gently. And think about that for a minute, for a moment. Musa and Harun alayhi are who? They are authorities. 
They are authorities and their authority is established by Allah directly. Through divine revelation, they are prophets of Allah. And they are going to speak to whom? Who are they going to speak to? They're going to speak to Fir'aun. Who is Fir'aun? Fir'aun is the most wretched human being alive. Who proclaimed himself to be the Lord Most High. So this is a wretched, terrible tyrant who is disrespectful to Allah. When Allah tells the prophets to go and talk to such a terrible human being, He says, speak to them very softly, very gently. Now compare that to when Allah tells us to talk to our parents, He says, speak to them very with nobility, with dignity, with honor. Think about how much more profound and how much more greater that is. Think about what that exactly means by comparing it, by putting it into contrast. If Allah tells the prophets to speak to Fir'aun very softly, very gently, very kindly, how should we be talking to our parents? Sa'id ibn Musayyab, a great tabi'i, a great scholar, he basically says that the way you speak to your parents is how a very weak, sinful, disobedient slave would speak to his master who is very powerful. With respect, not taking this for granted, understanding exactly his position here. You know, we come, and to put things into context, our context, we are products of, we come from a culture that breeds a lot of independence, a lot of individuality. And we pride ourselves on our individuality and our independence. And it's, uh, even though a lot of times when you think you're independent, you're actually not. And I just know, simply because I myself, I'm speaking, I can only speak from my frame of reference. I'll let Imam Suhaib speak from the other frame of reference, but I'll speak from my frame of reference. As, the, as, as a child of immigrant parents who came to this country, I'm just going to go ahead and say it. All right? You know, you, you, your parents, everything, all the nice clothes you got on, mommy and daddy bought them, that nice little cell phone gadget you got in your hands, mashallah, mommy and daddy bought it for you. That nice little iPad or laptop computer and the money in the pocket and the money you're going to spend in the bazaar today. You know, you got the hookup basically. Alright, you're getting hooked up by your parents. So a lot of times when we try to say we're independent, I don't need you. I don't need them. They can't tell me what to do. Yeah, actually you kind of do. You actually do need them quite a bit. So I'm just saying it like it is. But at the same time, there is a certain reality to where in this society, in this culture where we live today, a person can actually start to become pretty independent if they set their mind to it, if they're serious about it. By the age of 18, you could be very well, could be independent, be completely on your own. Life actually would be a lot tougher than maybe you realize. You wouldn't get to drive the nice car and wear the nice clothes and go to the expensive school that you go to, but that's for you to fit, learn on your own, inshallah. Alright, or hopefully not. But nevertheless, you could achieve quite a level of independence. But in spite of that fact, what's very important to understand is that, so we, we, we oftentimes talk about that independence and we're very fixated on that being independent from our parents. But you know what? We're actually never completely independent from our parents. Because even if you've, you've found some way to become independent from your parents, emotionally, Physically, financially, you were able to gain independence from your parents and be on your own. Spiritually, you are tied to your parents. Spiritually, you are tied to your parents. In the court of Allah, you are tied to your parents. You're not independent. 
and the way you deal with them, the way you treat them, and the way they perceive you. That's the amazing thing. The Prophet of Allah didn't leave the ball in our hands. Because he knew we would probably what we would do with it. But he put the ball in the parents' court. When that Sahabi is experiencing the pangs of death and going through a lot of suffering while leaving this world, and the Prophet of Allah sends for the mother and says, Are you upset with him? She says, Yeah. You see, are you upset with him? The son's probably like, Nah, me and my mom's is cool. We're fine, we're okay. I sent her a card last month. We're perfectly fine. I email her once a week. We're good. I left her a voicemail. Alhamdulillah, she didn't pick up. Right? So he would probably say, we're fine, we're good. But the Prophet ﷺ is saying, no, as asking the mother, are you upset with him? You see, you got to take into consideration how they feel, how they perceive, what they feel about the situation. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah and His Messenger ﷺ put the ball in their court. So you're always tied, you're always dependent upon your parents, spiritually at the very least, if for nothing else. I'm 33 years old. I mean, of course, emotionally, I'm still very attached to my parents. Even, you know, intellectually, I depend on my parents. I seek from their wisdom. I ask them questions. But to quite an extent, you know, I mean, I pretty much am responsible for, a lo- for most of my life on my own now. I do a lot of this stuff on my own. I have to. It's, I, it's, it's required of me at this point. I have my own family. I have, my, I have a wife. I have kids. I have people that depend on me. But at the same time, I have to understand that I am still spiritually attached to my parents. And that's very important to remember. And so when speaking to the parents, we speak to them with humility and with dignity. Adhul wal waqar. Humility and dignity. Humbling yourself, not being arrogant, not being abrupt. And subhanAllah, you know, nothing is more heartbreaking in this world. Nothing is more heartbreaking in this world when you see an elderly, elderly parent and their son or their daughter has now become a, an adult. And when they speak to their parents disrespectfully and they're arrogant and they put their parents down. I pray and I hope you've never done that or that you never do that. But even forget about doing it. When I see it, it breaks my heart. Because a lot of times, because the parent is elderly, and because the parent feels like, I don't want to lose my relationship with my son or my daughter, I don't want them to cut me off, they tolerate abuse, they tolerate disrespect and arrogance from, their parent, from the child. And it's just the most tragic, horrible, ugly, ugliest thing you've ever seen. It'll break your heart. But humble yourself before your parents and speak to them with dignity. Dignify them, honor them. Dignify them and honor them. You know, I had to catch myself. You know, the, the benefit of some of these sessions, and this is an opportunity to just talk very openly, very frankly, very openly. I actually had to catch myself last week. I've always had a very, very good relationship with both my parents, but with my father, my father really truly is a man that I look up to, that I admire a lot. And so I've always 
I mean, the first person I consult with that I seek advice from, you know, just in life and in anything else that I'm going through or dealing with, is my father. He's counsel for me. But as I get older and older, I realize I really didn't, as much as I used to, sit down and talk to my dad. And just ask him for advice. And so he even told me, this past week, a couple of days ago, he actually told me, he goes, it's been a while since we sat down and we talked. You're a big man now. You know how to handle things now. And he was actually kind of proud. He's like, thank goodness, because I was tired of talking to your whiny butt. Right? Coming here crying, like, I got a daughter, it's not you. Right? I'm just joking. I'm going to get like torn to shreds. I apologize. I have two daughters. I love them to death. So, but, but I, know, I know my relationship with my daughters and how they're close to me and they talk to me about every little thing. So my dad was just kind of like, I'm kind of glad that you're like, you know, showing some level of independence. But then I realized, I was like, when's the last time I did get some wisdom from this man? So sometimes we have to catch ourselves, but dignify them, respect them, and honor them. You might not need them. You might not need to talk to them. You might not have to ask them anything. But you still put them in that position of dignity and respect. And show them that respect. And so that's something to keep in mind. You know, Imam Ghazali, rahmahullah, in his book, in the Ihya, when talking about al-amru bil-ma'roof wa-nahyu munkar when talking about enjoining the good and forbidding the evil, he talks about the shurut. He talks about the conditions of enjoining the good and forbidding the evil. At the end of that discussion of enjoining the good and forbidding the evil, and it's different, um, you know, it's different prerequisites and requirements, he says at the end of it that once you have fulfilled these requirements of enjoining the good and forbidding the evil, then at that point in time, it's, it's, a, it's an obligation, it's a right, it's, it's a command of Allah. A sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ. So you have to do it. You enjoy the good and forbid the evil. And he says, these are the things to keep in mind. These are the conditions. Once you have fulfilled these conditions, you must enjoy the good and forbid the evil. And if it bothers the other person, if it upsets the other person, that's not on you. But of course, those requirements of enjoining the good for being the evil are being humble, being respectful, and all that good stuff. But at the end of it, if you're doing everything you possibly could, fulfilling all the conditions of enjoining the good and forbidding the evil, and then you do that because it's a command of Allah, and somebody gets upset, that's not on you. That's not your bad. That's on them. That's their problem. That's their issue. With one exception. With one exception. And that exception is the parents. That at the end of everything, you fulfilled all the requirements. If you still try to say something good to them or point out something maybe wrong to them, and it upsets them, you're bad. If it will upset them, back off. That's the extent of the right of the parents. And then of course we talked about even in terms of speech, making dua for them and we talked about that. In terms of the heart, in terms of the heart, the second area of you know, focusing in terms of fulfilling the rights of the parents. One thing that's very important in terms of the heart is having, like we talked about, having love and respect and affection and admiration for your parents. And part of the heart is, along with the speech, is making dua for them. Sincerely praying to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for them. And not just praying in front of them, that yes, you know, Allah bless my parents. But you do it privately in your private moments where you spend with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and you make dua for your parents and you remember your parents. 
to not be resentful towards your parents. Because when you resent your parents and you harbor bad sentiments towards your parents, you actually harm yourself. Shukr. Shukr is an ex- not just an expression of gratitude, it's a state of gratitude. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala commanded us, be in a state of gratitude towards me, towards Allah, and ha- be in a state of gratitude, in a condition of gratitude, with a mindset and a heart filled with gratitude towards your parents. So it's very important in terms of the heart as well that you appreciate the parents. And you love your parents and you're grateful towards your parents. And you are very responsive towards your parents. How responsive towards your parents? That the scholars have talked about this. The books of fiqh are full of these details. That if your parents call you, if your parents are looking for you, and you're praying optional prayer, you're offering voluntary optional prayer, at that point in time, it becomes your right and your ob- it becomes their right and your obligation towards them to go and answer them first. You can come back and make this up and finish this up later if you want to, if you need to. But you first have to go and off- uh, re- listen to them. Islamically speaking, it is a part of our fiqh that when your parents, that when your parents tell you to do something that might be slightly disliked, not haram, we don't, there's no obedience for the creation when it requires the disobedience of the Creator. We're not talking about something that's farther, or something that's haram. That's, that's where you draw the line. But even that, how you engage with that is a different discussion. But when they're telling you to do something that might be slightly disliked, makruh, the books of fiqh talk about it, your parents are asking you to do something makruh, that act at that point in time now becomes an obligation, it becomes wajib upon you. In normal circumstances, it would makru, now it becomes wajib upon you. When your parents are telling you not to do something that is a good deed, a good act of reward, mustahab, and they're telling you, don't do it. They're telling you, don't do it. Something that's mustahab, something that's a good deed. Then now not doing it becomes mustahab. And doing it would actually become an act of disobedience towards your parents, so actually would be a sin. Doing something good can become a sin. And doing something normally that would have been disliked can become something that is an obligation loved by Allah. Solely by the commander of the forbidding of the parents. That's the role that they've been given. That's the place that they've been given. I'm gonna speed this up just a little bit. In terms of physically showing respect towards your parents. Little, little things. You know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala teaches us guiding principles. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told us not to raise our voice above the voice of the Messenger wasallam. By extension, the scholars draw from that, don't raise your voice above your parents. Don't raise your voice above their voice. Don't raise your voice in front of them. That... Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told the, told the believers about the Prophet don't speak about him, don't call out to him, don't address him like you would address anyone else. Some normal Joe Shmo. Don't, don't just address him like that. He's not just Muhammad, the angel next door neighbor Muhammad. He's Muhammad Rasulullah, the Prophet of God. Peace and blessings be upon him. Similarly, you don't address your parents just like, hey, Abdul Hamid, that's my dad's name. I even feel awkward saying it. Someone told that when I meet a brother named Abdul Hamid too, I like call him something else. It's just, it's just, it's just not programmed to do it. Like, hey brother. It's like, my name's Abdul Hamid. Good for you brother. <laughs> right? But you don't address your parents with their name. 
showing that respect. Even in terms of how you, scholars have talked about how you walk with them. Holding the door open for them. Culturally speaking, it's disrespectful to, if it's disrespectful to walk in front of them. You don't walk in front of them. When you're sitting with them, you don't leave without taking permission. Can I go? Can I leave? Is it alright? I need to take care of something. Like you excuse yourself before you leave. That's common courtesy. You excuse yourself before you leave anyone's company. Let alone your parents. In terms of wealth and money. That you, you know something very interesting? Zakat, the masarif of the zakat, where you can spend your charity, where you can give your zakat. The parents, you're not allowed to give your zakat to your parents. You're not allowed to give your zakat to your parents. To your siblings, yes. Your cousins, yes. You're not allowed to give it to your parents. You know why? Because you don't, get to, you don't get to take that out of your charity. That's your responsibility regardless. There's no two for the price of one here. I'm going to drop off a check for my mom. Zakat taken care of. You know that little meme with that little baby? Zakat paid. Right? <laughs> you don't get to do that. That's your responsibility regardless. You got to take care of your parents. Even financially. And you know, a lot of times people fear this like, man, you know, like where you just kind of start to have a little, when you, once you start to about to graduate college or you first get a job and kind of learn how the world works. So dad, how's the 401k looking? And the whole time the thing is, boy, you better have your stuff taken care of because I ain't about to take care of you, all right? I ain't about to spend a bunch of money on you, all right? I'm about to get a nice job and I'll buy a nice car and I'll buy nice clothes and I'll buy a nice house. I'll take care of me. So how's the retirement fund looking? It's going good? Portfolio solid? Alhamdulillah. Right? It's an honor to be able to serve and take care of your parents. It's something to actually look forward to. It's something to seek out the opportunity for. And the scholars have written about it. That one of the biggest means of seeking barakah and blessing in your life is by taking care and serving your parents. It's, this is something I've personally experienced. Something I've personally experienced. My father and my mother both, in order to be able to spend time with us and raise us and teach us their, our deen directly, and then in an effort to always make sure that the income that they brought in was the most lawful possible, there were a lot of business, money-making opportunities that were passed up along the way. Which puts more of a responsibility on me. I swear to you, it's just, it's unbelievable the barakah and the blessing that comes out of taking care of your parents, being there for them, serving them, financially being of assistance to them, and that's a right of your parents upon you. And it's one of the biggest means of seeking barakah and blessing. If someone's parents have passed away, the rights of the parents don't end there. If somebody's parents have passed away, the rights of their parents don't end there. You continue to make dua for them. Fulfilling any promises that they might have made. Something they told you to take care of. Seeing that through is a right and a responsibility of those parents. Joining relations. Maintaining a good relationship with their friends and their family is a part of respecting the parents. The Prophet ﷺ said that part of honoring the father is that you continue to respect the relationships, the friendships of your father long after your father is gone. And so, 
Now, what qualifies as disrespect towards the parents? Very quickly. Physically, disrespect can be shown to the parents. Obviously, physically striking or hurting your parents is completely out of the question. Which goes without saying. Walking away from your parents is a major sign of disrespect. When you abandon them, when you walk away from them. When you ignore your parents when they speak to you, when you don't pay full attention to them when they're talking to you, is a major disrespect towards your parents. Rolling your eyes. The scholars have listed these things in classical texts. Rolling your eyes at your parents. Major sign of disrespect. Having animosity or hatred. Resentment towards your parents in your heart is a major sign of disrespect. And speaking out, saying negative things towards your parents, a major sign of disrespect. And why should we so, be so concerned about disrespecting our parents? Because one of the swiftest of the punishments of Allah is reserved for that person who disrespects his parents. The Prophet of Allah has clearly explained that disrespecting your parents is an act that not only incurs the wrath or the anger and the punishment of Allah in this world, but also in the life of the hereafter. In this world and the life of the hereafter. There's a narration, there's a hadith of the Prophet ﷺ that somebody who has disrespected their parents and offended their parents will not enter paradise and that person will be in the ranks of, an, of, of people who drank alcohol. People who, were, who drank alcohol. That this person will be in the ranks of those people, will line, be lined up with those people. That it literally takes away from the iman, it diminishes the iman of a person, the person who diminishes the relationships of his father. When you disrespect and you diminish the relationships that your father maintained his entire life, it diminishes the iman of that son or that child, that person. Cursing your parents is you cursing yourself. When you speak ill of your parents, you speak ill of yourself. You curse yourself. You don't do them any harm, you only harm yourself. So obeying your parents is actually gratitude towards your Lord. Respecting and honoring your parents is acting on the book of Allah. Dignifying your parents and obeying your parents is actually obeying the commands of Allah and following the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ. And the scholars have written that a disrespect of the parents, disrespect of the parents can deprive the greatest scholar, the person with the greatest amount of knowledge that you can imagine, Somebody who has an immense amount of knowledge, disrespect of his or her parents, will completely deprive that person from the benefit of their knowledge. They'll have a lot of knowledge right here on the tongue. They'll be able to give long, lengthy talks and speeches. They'll be able to quote a lot of narrations. But they won't benefit from their knowledge. Because the first and foremost thing, and that was maintaining their relationship with their parents, they weren't able to do. There is... Nothing in the Qur'an, nowhere in the Qur'an have we been told to be grateful to anyone other than Allah except for the parents. Think about that, in Allah's book, in Allah's kitab, which is for Allah, from Allah, teaching us how to have a relationship with Allah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala specifically said, be grateful to your parents. Allah said that, Allah shared His domain in that regard with the parents. By saying, be grateful to me and to your parents. Think about how important it is. 
This, you know, there, there's narrations, there's a hadith, there's stories from the life of the Prophet ﷺ, where the Prophet ﷺ told Sahaba radiallahu anhum that serving and taking care and being there for your parents is more virtuous, is more important and more rewarding and more effective in bringing you closer to Allah than even fighting in the path of Allah. Than even doing jihad, fighting on behalf of the religion, it is more important, more virtuous, more necessary, more rewarding to serve your parents. Think about that. And so, that's just a very, very basic superficial discussion, very surface level discussion about some of the rights of the parents and respecting of the parents. I want to end on just a couple of, on a couple of very specific points. This is generally from the Qur'an, from the life of the Prophet ﷺ, from the sunnah of the Messenger ﷺ, what we learn, some of the principles, key guiding principles, what we learn in terms of respecting our parents. There are many classical texts that have been authored by great scholars about the respect of the parents, and I recommend that you sit down and you learn those. You know, all the time that you invest into uh, debating online about aqidah, you know what I'm talking about? All the time that you invest into on Facebook debating about differences of opinion and what's the strongest opinion, like you're absolutely in a position to know what's the strongest opinion. And I'd like you to give me a fatwa after the session's over, inshallah. Alright, all the time that's invested into these talking about these issues that you have no real business talking about, invests that same amount of time. You know, and I'm even talking about, let's just say you don't make these calls on your own. You go to a person of knowledge and ask him the question. What questions do you even ask people of knowledge? What questions do you ask the shaykh or the imam? What questions do you ask? Go to an imam, go to somebody learned, go to a person of knowledge and say, I'd like to study a text about respecting the parents. I'd like for you to teach me about the hukuk of the walidain. Birrul walidain, being good towards my parents. Take out time. This is a very introductory session at best. So make time to learn more about that. Now I just wanted to end on a couple of very specific issues. When talking about respect of the parents, I think generally everybody kind of understands what we're talking about here. And if you're a human being with sound fitra, if you're a human being with sound fitra and you're not deluding yourself, I think you have a pretty good gauge of when you're being good or when you're being bad towards your parents, when you're being respectful or disrespectful towards your parents. There is one very important way, and I kind of alluded to this a little bit earlier. I alluded to this a little bit earlier, where I talked about be good to your parents and your kids will be good to you. Your parents ever tell you when you have kids, then you'll understand. Your parents ever tell you that? I know they did. Every parent tells a child that. I tell my two-year-old that, and she goes, huh? Right? So, I know your parents tell you that. Because all parents tell their kids that. And you know what? It's absolutely true. You'll know when you have your own kids. And so sometimes imagine, what if somebody that you raised, somebody that you took care of, somebody that you did everything for, that you literally invested your life into, what if they were about to say to you what you're thinking about to say to your parents? And if it automatically just makes you back off just a little bit, you got your answer right there. You should not say that to your parents. You should not do that with your parents. You should not behave that way with your parents. One very other small specific issue. I'm going to go through a couple of just small issues. One other very specific issue that's usually a hot button issue amongst a younger crowd is marriage. Getting married. It's a big, it's a big point of contention with, between young people and their parents. It's one of the number one questions I get. I made the huge mistake, I'm just joking, but I made the huge mistake 
of actually embarking, setting out on teaching a seminar about family relations. It's called happiness in the home. Biggest mistake I ever made, jokingly. All right. Why, why I tell you that? Because now everybody took it as a license to bring, find the most complex, complicated, difficult situations they can find and come and ask me those situations. And I'm just like, uh, I have to go to the bathroom. All right. And that's basically been my response. It, it, but the, one of the biggest questions, one of the most frequently asked questions is about this whole struggle with the parents in terms of getting married. Understand one thing. You have to take into account what's at stake. Yes, I understand your future and your happiness is at stake, but so is your relationship with your parents and your relationship with Allah. In a fleeting moment of puppy love, butterflies in the belly, which is actually a medical condition, get it checked, all right? <laughs> you actually got butterflies in your belly, right? But it's in a fleeting moment of sometimes like just getting overexcited about the situation. Be careful that you're not completely sabotaging everything that's important to you in your life. It's very important to take that into consideration. Realize that you are a young person. You have a very limited scope and frame of reference, very limited experiences. And that you are emotionally, very, I mean, young people are very passionate and very emotional, very emotional. And their emotions can oftentimes get the best of them. And they don't think situations through all the time. Take that into consideration. Your parents are actually a source of, you know, wisdom. And they're a sobering voice in your life. Utilize them as such. However, for a lot of people in this room, and I speak from my personal perspective, not everybody, I don't want to take that for granted. Again, there are different perspectives, but then I, I wouldn't be the right person to talk about that. Imam Suhaib could talk about, you know, uh, in certain other situations. What that, what, how that exactly works. But for some, some of the people, maybe a lot of the people in this room, you are the children of immigrants. There's always a generational gap, but then there's a cultural gap on top of that. And a cultural gap is basically the equivalent of the Grand Canyon. Very seriously. There will be times when your parents just don't get it. Anywhere in this talk that I say parents are infallible, they're perfect, they'll never make a mistake, no. Absolutely not. They will make mistakes and they will be wrong. We're just being told that error on the side of caution. Error on the side of caution. Okay, they were wrong. You were right. But at, you know, at least you didn't gamble in terms of your relationship with your parents, your relationship with Allah and your well-being in the hereafter. Error on the side of caution. But occasionally there will be some situations and a lot of young people are dealing with this in our communities, where the parents are being irrational, they're being difficult. Now that's a tough situation. I can't give some general advice here from the stage in regards to that. But I will say that if you honestly truly feel, and you've consulted with other people, and you've spoken to an imam, or a sheikh, or a community leader, or other senior family members, and you feel your parents are being irrational in that situation, then at that point in time, you have a very specific situation at hand. You have a very specific situation at hand, and in that situation, go and seek counsel, get advice and get some help. But don't still take it upon yourself to be able to deal with this situation on your own. The last and the final thing that I'll mention here, 
just to kind of put everything into perspective, this is a very specific situation that is in regards to some very, very specific people in very specific scenarios. But what I will say generally is, I was talking earlier about why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uses the word walidain in some places why He uses the word abawain. There is a right and a respect for the father. The father is to be dignified. The pleasure of the Lord is in the pleasure of the father. But, and at the same time, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala highlights the mother at some places. Why? Because of who the mother is. How much the mother does. What she sacrifices. How loving and caring she is. How invested she is into the well-being of her children. Because of that, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala highlights and gives a little bit of an extra consideration towards the mother. When the Prophet ﷺ, classical scholars have talked about whose rights are more, the father and the mother, they talk about this. And the Prophet ﷺ, when he was asked the question, who's the most deserving of my good treatment? And he said, your mother, your mother, your mother, and then your father. Part of the reason for that is who the mother is and what she does. And the amount of sacrifice she makes. And that's something that if you don't, again, realize right now, when you get married and you have your own kids, then you'll realize. You'll realize because you'll be mothers. You'll realize because you'll see how much your wife does for your kids and you'll realize what it means to be a mother. And so that extra consideration is given in the Qur'an and in the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ towards the mother. And I'll end with this. Your parents might be the most difficult parents in the world. Your parents might be the most the, you know, the most terrible parents of all time. But at the same time, be grateful to Allah that you have parents. Be grateful to Allah that you have parents. Along the lines of a lot of what we spoke about yesterday, and Imam Omar talked about some of this as well from his personal experience. The Prophet of Allah lost his mother when he was six years old. Fifty years later, 50 plus years later, when he was traveling, the Prophet's mother died on the journey from Medina to Mecca, at a place called Al-Abwa. When the Prophet was traveling from Medina back to Mecca, he was traveling from Medina to Mecca, and it's, it's a difference of narration whether this was at the time of Surah Hudaybiyah, or this was the time, uh, or excuse me, this was during Fatih Mecca, or this was during the Hajjatul Wida. So while the Prophet ﷺ was traveling from Medina to Mecca, he camped everybody that was traveling with him, the whole caravan, the whole army, he said, stop here. And a few people that were close to the Prophet ﷺ, they went with him. And he went and he sat down at a grave. And he sat down there for a little while. After a while, he started to cry. And he started to cry, he started to sob. He cried so like severely, that literally he was sobbing. So his body was shaking. The Sahaba that were there, you know when you see somebody that you love in pain, it causes you pain. They didn't even understand, they didn't know what this was about. But some of the other Sahaba started to cry, but I see the Prophet ﷺ crying so badly. Umar radiallahu anhu finally went and he hugged the Prophet ﷺ from behind. He held, grabbed him. And he said, it's okay, it's okay. He consoled the Prophet ﷺ. Until the Prophet ﷺ was able to contain himself. And then they asked, they said, مَا يُبْكِيكَ يَا رَسُولَ اللَّهِ What makes you cry like this, O Messenger of Allah? And he said, this is the grave of my mother. And coming here and visiting here reminds me of my mother. And I miss my mom and that's why I cry. Fifty years later, he was six years old. How much time had he spent with his mother? 
50 years later. He's moved, he's a grandfather at this point. He's the messenger of Allah at this point. But he misses his mom. And he cries for his mother. And so that's the importance. So before you complain about your parents, before you, you know, are ungrateful about your parents, realize what a blessing parents are. And go and ask someone who doesn't have their parents what they would trade to be able to spend another moment with their parents. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us all the ability to be respectful towards our parents. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us all the ability to fulfill the rights of our parents and be good towards our parents. Jazakumullah khairan. Subhanallah wa bihamdihi subhanakallah wa bihamdik. Nashadu la ilaha illa anta. Nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk.